When should a physician assistant carry their own malpractice insurance? You are listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Lisa DeAndre, your host, and with me today is Michelle Roth-Kaufman, physician assistant and attorney. She is the department chairperson for the Physician Assistant Program at Gannon University in Erie, Pennsylvania, and the author of The Physician Assistant Business Practice and Legal Guide. Today, we will be discussing when physician assistants should carry their own malpractice insurance. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to ReachMD. Hi, Lisa. Michelle, I'm a PA. Why should I buy malpractice insurance if I'm already covered by my employer? I always recommend that PAs carry their own malpractice insurance because then they themselves are protected. They will have an attorney assigned to them personally, and that attorney will be looking out for their best interests. Can a PA have just an individual plan, or would the practice still have to carry a policy on them as well? No, the PA can carry their own policy and have the practice reimburse them for the cost, and that's actually how I recommend PAs carry their own coverage That way, again, the PA has an attorney who will be assigned to them from their malpractice carrier. If they are under a rider or under a corporate policy, they'll have one attorney assigned to the case, and that attorney, whether it's a group or an individual practice, that attorney is looking out, you know, possibly a little bit more so for the supervising physician rather than the PA, because It's ultimately the supervising physician who's paying that attorney's fees. Are there any reasons why a PA would want to have double coverage from the employer as well as their own policy? Again, I always recommend that the PA carry their own policy, and that's, again, because they will have their own attorney representing them. It's a negotiation point with the practice. The policy may or may not cost more to carry an individual policy as opposed to being a rider on the policy. And actually, I would tell a PA if the policy is a little bit more expensive, then try to negotiate that into your contract that they buy that policy for you. Otherwise, if they just refuse to do that, personally, I would be willing to pay the difference to have my own policy and to have that own security. I've heard that if a PA has independent coverage, it will increase the likelihood that the PA will be sued and therefore should always go under the medical group's policy. Is that true? No, not necessarily. The most important indicator of whether or not a patient is going to sue a provider goes back to the relationship with that provider. So if a person has a strong relationship with their patients, they're less likely to be sued and PAs overall have not had a whole lot of malpractice actions brought against them. And a lot of that is because the PA spends a lot of time with their patients and they develop that rapport with their patients. I don't think the patient is not going to make a decision to sue a practitioner based upon whether or not that person has their own liability insurance. The attorney, obviously, is going to look into what is available out there because for an attorney, it's very much a business decision whether or not they take a case from the patient. It's extremely expensive to 
go forward with a malpractice action, you're probably talking thirty, forty thousand dollars at minimum to go forward with a malpractice action. So an attorney has got to weigh that as to whether or not they're going to take this patient's case. So regardless of whether the PA has their own policy or if it's under a corporate policy, if there's a good case and there's a policy, they're going to take the case. And as a PA, I wouldn't want to not have coverage in the event that there is a good case and I become involved in that case. That's just too risky. You're just opening yourself wide open to your personal asset. Is there any time that the PA's assets would be at risk, and how can they prevent that? You know, honestly, assets are always at risk. Until recently, there haven't been very, very high awards brought against PAs. The median awards for payment for diagnosis-related are around $150,000 for PAs, and the treatment-related payments are about 50000 And that makes up almost 80% of all cases brought against PAs. There have been a couple cases just recently where there has been about $3 million awarded against PAs and their supervisors. Those cases are still in the appeals process. So the awards are going up, and whenever the award ends up being more than your malpractice coverage, your assets are always at risk. There has not been cases out there, either against MDs or against mid-level practitioners, where they have sought to obtain personal assets from these people as a result of malpractice actions. But there's always that fear out there that as these claims continue and that the awards keep becoming higher and higher, that that could result. But at this time, it really has not been seen. Well, how can I protect my assets if I'm married? Should everything go in my husband's name? You know, actually, your assets are protected if they're in both your names. But anything that would be in your name alone, say your retirement plan, that those assets they could still get at. And other than being able to have your joint assets, that's a protection. But there are certain things that you won't be able to hold jointly, and you certainly can't, your future earnings, they could attach to your future earnings. There's really no way for you to protect those things. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Lisa DeAndre, and I'm speaking with Michelle Roth-Kaufman from Gannon University, physician assistant, attorney, and the author of the Physician Assistant's Business Practice and Legal Guide. We are discussing when physician assistants should carry their own malpractice insurance. Michelle, are you aware of any malpractice cases where the physician assistant was held liable but the supervising physician was not? I'm not aware of any case out there. A scenario that I could see where a PA could be held liable without the supervising physician being held liable is if the PA acts outside of their scope of practice because PAs are limited to their scope of practice. And if the supervising physician has limited the PA's scope of practice, 
and the PA then steps outside that area, I could see the PA being held liable without the physician being held liable. How about the reverse? Is there ever a time where the supervising physician is held liable and the PA is not? I guess I'd need to qualify that question. A PA would not be held liable for the actions of the supervising physician. If a PA is involved in the case, say the PA has seen the patient and the physician has also seen the patient, there could very well be an instance that the PA is not held liable because they have checked with the supervising physician, the physician has okayed the plan, so the physician supervised that PA and really made the decision to go forward with the treatment plan. So there, I think there are instances where a PA could be in a situation that they would not be held liable and the MD or DO could be held liable, much less so in the opposite case where a PA is being held liable. And that's because of the relationship. We are dependent practitioners. We are not independent practitioners. And we have to work with a supervising physician. So the supervising physician is basically responsible for the PA's actions. Let's talk about coverage limits. What do you recommend for a PA who obtains an independent policy? And what type of policy, occurrence policy, or claims made do you suggest? It's always best if you can get an occurrence policy. It's becoming more and more difficult to obtain occurrence policies. Occurrence policy will cover you for any occurrence within that time frame. So if you were covered from 2006 to 2008, so any person that you've seen during that time who brings an action, you would be covered under that policy, even if it's brought in 2012. On a claims-made policy, you're only covered for that time. So between 2006 and 2008, you're only covered for an action that is brought during that time. So if you leave your practice in 2009 and you saw a patient in 2006, you don't have that same policy, you are not covered unless you purchase a tail policy. So if I have my own individual occurrence policy, I can take that from practice to practice and it will follow me and protect me. You could also take, if you have your own individual claims-made policy, you can also take those policies. That's another advantage of having your own policy. But if you have to change policies, then if you had an occurrence policy and you get a new occurrence policy, you don't have to buy tail. If you have an occurrence policy, you get a new claims-made policy, you don't have to buy tail. But if you had a claims-made policy and you're leaving that employer and you have to get a new claims-made policy, then you're going to need tail coverage for that time. Physician assistants should carry at least $1 million per occurrence, $3 million aggregate, or have the same coverage that their supervising physician has. Well, most hospitals and large facilities are claims-made, not occurrence policies. If a claim is made after the PA has left the practice... Who's responsible, the supervising physician or the PA? If the PA is being sued, the PA will be held responsible. You will need to have your own tail policy at that time. Now, 
if you're working for a large corporation, they may have continued that policy. So if they have continued that policy and there are still mid-levels under that policy, you may still be covered under their policy as a PA. However, you have to go back on a yearly basis to that hospital or to that physician employer and be sure that they still have the policy and that you are still covered. You would need to get proof in writing that that policy still exists and that you are still covered. Would it have to be a policy that has your name attached to it or just that they have PAs and NPs working for them? Right. It doesn't necessarily have to have your name, but you need to be sure that it would still be the same policy and that you are still covered under that policy. And it does get difficult because, you know, quite often hospitals and physicians do change their policies just because of the cost. So things continue to change, and if you're no longer at that hospital, if you're no longer at that practice, it may not be of benefit to them. They're not going to worry so much about your coverage. It really falls back to you as a PA to take that responsibility, make sure that you're covered, and that might be something that would be good for you to discuss in your contract. You know, you would like this physician when you leave to then pay for your tail coverage. And PAs have lots of options for malpractice. Can you direct them to a place where they can get good information? The AAPA is probably one of the best places to go for information on insurance. If you're a member of the AAPA, they have AAPA-sponsored individual policies, and they are able to offer them at a group rate because of the number of members that there is for AAPA. And they can also answer your insurance questions as well. If you notice that in the AAPA news, they always have an insurance area that they answer questions that people send in. So really the AAPA is a great source for PAs to get information on insurance and even buy policies through the AAPA. I would like to thank my guest, Michelle Roth-Kaufman, for coming on the show. I'm Lisa DeAndre, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at ReachMD.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. Or call us toll-free with your questions and suggestions at 888-MD-XM-157. And thanks for listening.